Welcome to the Invest It Best podcast, a show about investing and financial markets, where you'll hear from some of Australia's top investment analysts and fund managers about their views on the market. The Invest It Best podcast is brought to you by Wilson, one of Australia's leading financial advisory firms with a proud and successful history spanning over 125 years. All information discussed in this podcast is for general information purposes only and does not constitute investment advice. You should seek investment advice tailored to your circumstances before making any investment decision. Further disclosures follow at the conclusion of the episode. This is the Invest It Best podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Invest It Best podcast. My name is Ted Richards and this episode we're lucky to be joined by Wilson's Head of Investment Strategy, David Cassidy, and Senior Analyst Rob Crookston. And on this episode we're going to look back at 2022 which was a difficult year for investors. We're also going to look at the year ahead to hear David and Rob's thoughts on what 2023 may entail. Now, before we get into it, there are a lot of moving parts in the world right now, in particular, some key decisions and announcements in the US being made. So let's provide a timestamp. At the time of recording, it's Wednesday afternoon, the 13th of December. Last night, the US released some key inflation data and the Fed's rate decision is still to come tonight, but more on that shortly. David, let's kick things off and look back at 2022. What were the key market drivers over the last 12 months? Well, Ted, I think the key problem weighing on both equity and bond markets in 22 has been inflation. Uh, we did go into 2022 with uh, a fairly high inflation pulse, but I think the big, big surprise has been how stubborn that's been this year. Uh, that's caused an unexpectedly dramatic increase in interest rates. Central banks have been on the warpath in terms of tightening policy to try and contain inflation. And that's had a couple of implications for investment markets. It's had a, a valuation impact on both bond markets and equity markets. And it's also raised concerns about the economic outlook. Is the US or the, or the global economy going to go into recession next year? That's been weighing on markets as well. So I think that's been the key factor. Obviously, there's been other things. Uh, China's yeah, problems in the property sector, zero COVID policy, uh, obviously a war in uh, Europe, Russia, Ukraine, um, hasn't helped things, uh, particularly on the inflation side. But I think they're really the key drivers of, of, of 2022. Um, you mentioned inflation there a couple of times, out of interest. When did inflation peak over the course of the year? Well, if you look at the US as, as basically, I guess, the centre of uh, markets' interest and obsession, inflation peaked uh, on, a, on a headline basis around about the middle of the year, uh, but stayed relatively sticky up until quite recently. So it's been more of a plateau than a peak up until really last month where we've started to see some signs that inflation is now starting to come down. And when you compare the US to Australia, how do they look in terms of inflation, that is? Well, we're probably the, the bad news is here we, we probably haven't actually peaked uh, in terms of the quarterly inflation statistics that uh, are the central focus for the RBA. We've probably got at least one more bad uh, quarter to go. Uh, 
quarter four, which will get in uh, probably late January next year. Um, so we're a little bit behind the US in this whole cycle. I, I do think we will see uh, inflation come off the boil in Australia next year, uh, but we're going to have to wait a little bit longer than um, the US uh, in terms of that uh, inflation downtrend. Yeah, fascinating. Now, Rob, considering these key market drivers that David just touched on, in particular the consistent high inflation that caused in uh, rising interest rates, what did that mean for equities this year? Who were the winners and the losers? So um, let's start off with who were the winners? I think that the, the key winners were in the resource sector. Um, you know, we saw strong commodity prices in, in 2022, you know, from coal, oil, also lithium and those other green metals, uh, metals associated with the, the clean energy transition in stocks we spoke about last yep. podcast, Ted. Um, the make, commodities, make sure you check that episode yeah, out yeah, if, you, if you miss that. <laughs> the commodities tend to be you know, seen as inflation hedges, and in, and in times of high inflation, you know, like we saw this year, unsurprisingly, these sectors tend to outperform, and that's exactly what we saw in those sectors. Um, but it's pretty concentrated really to resources, and Australian equities were the winners. Um, there were a lot more losers, um, but really we saw that growth companies, you know, which typically have higher valuation multiples, um, get hit the hardest, and those valuation multiples got hit the hardest um, from higher bond yields, and from you know, driven from higher inflation. So they really impacted sectors like tech, for example, um, and it also negatively impacted sectors um, and stocks that with, with high debt levels, um, stocks that tend to be considered bond proxies. Um, so they hit stocks like real estate. Um, there, there was also you know, A-REITs, they, they were badly hit as well. So um, yeah, pretty pretty concentrated winners in terms of resources and, and a broader range of losers. Um, the concentration of winners being the resources and the concentration of the losers um, being tech, uh, I imagine that would have worked quite well for um, say the ASX 200 compared to say the NASDAQ or um, the S&P 500 which typically, correct me if I'm wrong, has outperformed our market over here? Yeah, I mean, usually, I mean, over the last sort of five, ten years, you know, the US market has probably done better, just that allocation to towards growth and tech. Um, but yeah, the, the ASX weightings towards resources and financials in 2022 have, have been a big benefit to the, to the index, uh, and that's helped it outperform versus uh, the MSCI world and those, yeah, tech-heavy NASDAQ and S&P 500. So, yeah, it's, it's outperformed really on that, that resources of financials, um, over, sort of overweight. Okay, fascinating stuff there. Let's shift our attention to the year ahead. Um, now, as I mentioned at the beginning of the time of recording, it's mid-December and the, the US inflation figure came out overnight. David, let's start off with that. Can you tell us why you and many others in the industry were so inter- interested in this figure and what it means? Well, Ted, I think in terms of the notion that inflation has been the chief problem for financial markets this year. Therefore, I think investors have been searching or, or hoping for some sort of inflection point in inflation, particularly US inflation. And we seem to be getting that now. So we've had two months in a row where inflation has printed uh, much lower and indeed surprised the consensus expectation to the downside for two months in a row. So that's encouraging. I think that does uh, bode better for uh, equity and bond market prospects for 2023. If we do get this trend of moderating inflation, and that's my central case, uh, I do think inflation will come back quite substantially over the next 12 months. 
that will allow central banks to hit pause on their uh, policy tightening and probably start cutting uh, interest rates again before the end of next year. Uh, and that'll sort of lower the risk of recession, particularly for the, for the US. Uh, and also, if bond yields do trend lower, that will provide some more valuation support for equities, particularly the, the US equity market that has those uh, you know, long duration growth stocks that we talked about. So I think that's why the obsession with inflation, um, and as I said, I think it's starting to go the right way, and I think it is uh, setting us up uh, more positively for 2023. We'll see what the Fed says tonight in terms of how it viewed uh, those inflation numbers and the outlook for interest rates. But prima facie, I think um, things are starting to fall into place for potentially a better year for, for global stock markets. You mentioned the Fed meets tonight. What's your expectation for that and um, beyond December as well? Yeah, well, I don't think it's going out on, on a limb too much. Um, obviously, we'll know if I'm right or wrong by the time this uh, podcast airs, but I think the Fed will raise by 50 basis points. I think that's widely anticipated. Yep. There's probably more interest in terms of what they'll say about the outlook for interest rates next year. The market has moderated its expectations a little bit over the last month or so as those inflation numbers print lower. But the market still expects a couple of 25 basis point rate hikes next year in in the first half of the year, uh, probably on uh, the 1st of February and late March. Uh, I think that's a plausible path for for, for the Fed. Possibly we could get away with only one rate rise next year. Um, Whether it's one or two, I think after that, the Fed's likely to sit and, and, and watch for a while. So an extended pause um, in policy rates, I think, is, is likely. Uh, that's, you know, a better environment for stocks than a, an aggressive hiking cycle. And then I think the market's attention will turn to uh, the prospect of the Fed easing policy, you know, in the back, back end of the year, which I think is, is uh, quite likely. So from that perspective, inflation's starting to go the right way and with a little bit of a lag, you know, the policy cycle starting to go the right way for markets as well. Yeah. Um, how concerning is it that, um, from your perspective, that wage growth still seems to be quite high? Yeah, I think that's still something the Fed may have some comments about tonight, and that's uh, probably one reason why the Fed won't move into pause mode quickly, while there's probably still a little bit more to do on the rate side into next year. Um, so, yeah, the, the US labour market is unusually tight, Wage growth is unusually strong. It's not all bad news. That means the consumers have got more money in their their, their pockets. And, they, and I think it's one reason, the strong US labour market is one reason why the US, in my view, contrary to a lot of people's, uh, I guess, forecasts, my view, won't go into recession next year. I think that, um, you know, with such a strong labour market, we won't see the typical aggressive job shedding that often you know, crystallises a recession and is typically the catalyst for a deep recession. So I think that tight tight labour market is both um, good news and bad news. It probably keeps the Fed going a little bit longer than perhaps we'd like, but I think also it means that uh, US economy continues to show a degree of resilience next next year. But um, if wages misbehave, well, that could be potentially a problem for inflation. The idea that inflation moderates significantly over the next year and it could keep the Fed on the warpath longer than we might otherwise like. So that's that's fascinating to hear about Australia and the US and, and your your base case for expectations. What else is on your radar for the year ahead? 
Yeah, obviously China is, is, is always interesting from a whole variety of perspectives. It's always interesting from a, I guess, a geopolitical perspective, but it's a very big economy, second largest economy in the world. Uh, in terms of commodity markets, it's, it's the dominant economy uh, for, for many commodities. So the fact that China's been underperforming this year um, is interesting. Um, you know, commodities are starting to pick up in a lot of cases on the notion that uh, China's exiting its zero COVID policy. It's also putting uh, increasing amounts of policy stimulus back into the property market. So I think it is likely that there'll be lumps and bumps along the way, but, but I think Chinese growth will pick up over the next year. So that's, that's going to provide a cushion to what's otherwise going to be a pretty significant global slowdown next year, in, in, particularly in terms of Europe and, and the US. Uh, so I think the prospect of China actually picking up is, is it's an unusual cycle, uh, but, but I think that will be helpful for the global economy, I guess, soft landing uh, over the next 12 months. It'll support commodity markets. It'll support emerging markets as, as an asset class. Um, as I said, I think it's it, it'll it'll be a tricky uh, path, probably a little some lumps and bumps along the way, but uh, but I think it is I think a supportive scenario for 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 both the global economy and many parts of the investment landscape of China picking up after you know, a pretty disappointing year. All right, let's go back to you, Rob. Um, now, David shared his views at a global macro level. Let's zoom in on the Aussie market. What companies do you like in this environment for the year ahead? Yeah, I think with lower bond yields, also with the potential for below trend economic growth after an aggressive hiking cycle uh, by central banks, there's probably two key factors that we're looking out for. I think the first is is quality. You know, these are companies that have strong market positions, strong cash flows, high margins. Um, they can grow their earnings over the cycle as, as well. Um, and the other is probably the more defensive factor. So those, those are companies with predictable earnings that, that are less sensitive to the economic cycle. Um, you know, just concern there that if we do go into a period of you know, below trend economic growth, we'll see more more downgrades in the market. And, and I think you, you'd be preferred to be positioned in companies that are, are more defensive and less sensitive to the economy um, if that happens. At the same time, those, those sort of quality growth companies should perform pretty well in a downgrade cycle, but they also should perform pretty well when bond yields are going down. Again, they're normally the high valuation side of the market, um, and they should hopefully re-rate um, off, off the back of lower bond yields at the same time. Um, you know, we've, we've seen in the past that these type of companies should outperform in a period of, of lower bond yields, but also slow economic growth. Um, you know, so we think portfolios should have a good weighting of both these type of factors over, over the next 12 months. Um, could you provide some examples of what you know, a quality company looks like or a defensive company looks like for those that are uh, interested in learning more about that factor? Yeah, one one we like is sort of I guess on the quality scale. I guess I guess it covers both actually. It's clean away, so it's a waste management business. I think it's it's quality because it's strong market position, um, and the sort of the what it what it owns on the market and its assets is owned. It puts in a very strong position. You know, and it's it's proven over the last ten years that it can grow its earnings over the cycle. I guess the other the other side of that is very defensive. People need their waste taken every day um, you know, it's very predictable earnings 
uh, and it isn't sensitive to the economic cycle. So, you know, those two factors together, you know, that's, that's sort of one of those sort of perfect stocks in, in our view. All right. And if we're going to go the flip side of that, what's a, an industry, a sector, or potentially even a company that you think will likely to see downgrades uh, the most in next year? I think probably the sector that worries me the most is consumer discretionary. I guess the nuance there is there's two sides to consumer discretionary. There's the service side, which we think will hold up pretty well. It did pretty poorly in, in COVID as people couldn't go out and, and, and sort of enjoy services. So we think there's a bit of a rebound there in that part of it. But the other side of it is the goods side, which was a COVID winner. Um, you know, people could had more money to spend on goods and, and did so over the COVID period, over the pandemic. Um, but I, I do worry that as we go into a period of, you know, a slowdown or, you know, a global slowdown at the same time that consumer discretionary domestically will struggle. Uh, people, you know, there's, there's cost of living pressures going out there with, with higher rates, higher energy bills, um, and, and households won't be able to spend as much on those consumer discretionary products that they have done in the past. So that's probably the sector that we're, especially that good side that we've avoided so far. All right. Thanks for that, Rob. Now, Dave, going back to 2022, there was a question that I forgot to ask, and that's a significant event that's happened this year that you actually called out many years ago, and that's um, uh, the collapse of many cryptocurrencies. Um, yes, I think it was at a, around the peak of the market, you put out a, a piece of research on, on your views at the time. Maybe if you might touch on those and and possibly you know give us an indication on, on where you think this 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 industry may may go from here. Yeah, I guess, Ted, from memory, I guess some of the things we were calling out at the time, I think this was back in 21, was which, that... Which would have been close to the peak. Yeah, quite quite, quite possibly. I can't remember exactly yeah. when the peak was, but quite possibly. Um, I think what worried us a little bit about the, 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 Chris, the crypto uh, run was that it did sort of walk and talk a lot like a speculative bubble, had a lot of the the hallmarks of a speculative bubble in that there was very aggressive retail participation um, in, in, in 2021 in that um, big rally in Bitcoin and the other cryptos. Uh, I think a lot of people had nothing better to do than at the time when they locked up um, with COVID, COVID uh, lockdowns to sit at home and speculate. Um, so from that perspective, uh, it, it did look to be a little bit of a retail mania um, but for us, apart from just the parabolic rise in many of those cryptos through 2021 and the aggressive retail participation, we weren't really that clear on what the value proposition was, what, what, what was really the value uh, creation uh, or, or value proposition behind cryptocurrencies. Um, there were so many of them. Um, did they really offer something beyond traditional asset classes? I think certainly this idea that they're a useful portfolio diversifier has been, that myth's been exploded this year when uh, they did anything but protect your portfolio from downside in more traditional asset classes. So, yeah, I think there's probably something, still something in blockchain as a technology, but that's a, a separate argument, I think, from where the cryptocurrencies got to uh, in, in 2021. Um, I think in hindsight, it was a speculative bubble. Um, they could push up again uh, if we, you know, we do see easier policy from the Fed and some liquidity go back into financial markets again over the next year. But 
I I think it'd probably be a long time before we see the the highs of of, of you know a year ago in terms of the, of the cryptos. And as I said, blockchain, sure, there may be some 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 value in in that technology, but um, just buying cryptos um, as a, as an investment um, in themselves, I think is um, I think people will be much more cautious about that going going forward. And certainly custody as well, with so many of these marketplaces uh, uh, blowing up. Now, yeah. um, David, uh, your final piece is coming out um, Monday next week, the 18th of December. Looking forward to reading this. Can you um, tell listeners a bit about what you're going to be writing about there? Yeah, well, I think it is, you know, it's these big macro drivers of, of um, inflation, interest rates, the economic growth outlook, uh, and the earnings growth outlook for next year. So we'll see what the Fed says tonight, but... Um, you know, we think a base case is at this point it is looking like a better environment for, for stocks, uh, particularly global stocks, uh, off the back of that moderating inflation view, uh, moderating interest rate view, and what should be a soft landing of sorts for the global economy, albeit it'll be pretty mixed. So we think we, you know, we can see a path to better returns for investors over the next 12 months. There are still risks out there, obviously. But, you know, our base case is it should be a, a, a decent year for, for investors. So from that perspective, um, you know, we, we've set up for a while, you know, don't get too bearish, stay invested and have, you know, pretty de- decent allocations to both equities and bonds. So that'll be my central message. Okay, we might wrap it up there. But before we go, um, as I mentioned, it's mid-December um, at this time of year. Um, holidays are certainly on the, on the cards as well, David. Any plans over summer? Um, well, my basic plan is to um, burn more calories than I consume. It's <laughs> uh, said than done through December, January. So we'll see how that one goes. Ted, I'll report back. Um, I'll weigh in back in uh, yeah. late January. All right. That's my base case. Beyond that, um, holiday uh, on the south coast. I'm going to make sure that that's on the next episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and Rob, any plans? Yeah, going up the uh, north coast, New South Wales to, to Yamba. Oh, fantastic. Uh, for a couple of weeks, which will be lovely. Good part of the world. Yeah, fantastic part of the world. So um, um, thanks very much uh, for, for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please ensure to subscribe uh, wherever you're listening to this to receive all future Invest at Best podcast episodes as we release more episodes in 2023. And um, please also share it with a friend um, if you think there might be value in it there. David, Rob, thank you for taking the time today. No worries. Thanks, Ted. Thanks, Ted. All right. Thank you for the listening to the Invest It Best podcast. This podcast has been prepared by Wilson's. Wilson's has not independently verified any of the information given in this podcast. All effort is made to ensure information was accurate at the time of recording. No reliance should be placed on this podcast in making any investment decision. Past performance is no indication of future performance. The directors of Wilson's advise that they and persons associated with them and Wilson's may have an interest in financial products referred to in this podcast.